will sound like a broken record because we say the same thing every time. What a delightful conversation we we had today with Beth Jones. Her story, her love of nature, her just passion for what nature can do, how it can heal, how it can help us, how we can listen to it and learn learn about it, but learn about ourselves and one another is, is, is tremendous. So we're just so grateful and we hope that you will like it too. We, we told her and you'll hear this in the end of the, of the, of the conversation that we felt as if we have just been in the forest, even though we're sitting in a room when there are lights and with cameras and microphones, we just felt that we've been outside in, in some beautiful spot in nature after this conversation and it was calming and and soothing and we hope that this conversation will be the same for you too we're happy to put this conversation out on earth day which is a global event and we'll talk a little bit more about an event that we have going live today at the at the end of our conversation but let's just tell you a little bit about who beth jones is Beth Jones is the director of Deep Green Journey, an organization that provides guided backpack trips and walks as well as retreat and workshop experiences to help individuals and groups discover healing and wholeness through a restorative connection with the natural world. She is a certified nature and forest therapy guide and has over 20 years experience guiding hiking and backpacking excursions in the mountains of north central Pennsylvania leading groups to discover extraordinary possibilities in life, faith, and relationships. Beth and her husband, Tom, live north of Williamsport, Pennsylvania, next to the beautiful Loyal Sock Creek. Well, Beth, welcome to the Someone to Tell It To podcast. It's so great to be able to have a conversation with you today. We've heard just such great things about you. And one of the things that we love to do with all of our guests on the program is just to simply ask you, just to tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, gosh, sure. I was born and raised in central Pennsylvania. I became a United Methodist pastor. It feels like a million years ago, but I was ordained and served in the United Methodist Church, served in the local church for two appointments and served as a district superintendent. And then a couple of years ago, my husband and I, we were talking about, you know, what was next after after that superintendency. And we both felt like, you know, it might be time to pursue this emerging call to connect people with nature. And so I still wanted to stay connected with the church as a pastor. So I started a ministry, an organization called Deep Green Journey. And so that's what I, I do now. And we live in the mountains of north central Pennsylvania up here near Williamsport. And just, you know, really enjoy the time that we have here getting out into the state forest, which is here around our house. And just enjoy a lot of outdoor, you know, activities, biking and, of course, hiking and backpacking and swimming. Just really enjoy getting outside whenever I can. So... It's a little well, bit we're about. really looking forward to having this dialogue with you because you just sound like a fun person to be around. Well, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the day, I guess. <laughs> well, isn't that the truth for all of us, right? It depends true. on the day. <laughs> well, could you kind of describe what inspired you to start Deep Green Journey? Yeah, I, I guess I've, you know, I've been privileged to be able to have that opportunity to be out in nature throughout my life. My parents, you know, introduced me to camping and hiking. And then as I got older, was able to lead some, you know, backpacking trips and began to really see the effect that nature had on, on these individuals and me, of course. But I could see it so clearly as, as people got out in nature, just things changed for them. They were able to find an insight, some healing, and I thought, oh, there's there's something to this. And about that same time, was introduced to um, Richard Louvre. He's a he he wrote a book called Last Child in the Woods, and a follow up book called The Nature Principle. Both of which talk about how both children and then the nature principle spoke to adults, really about the physical, emotional, spiritual positive effects that nature has. And 
I just, I never heard it so clearly articulated as in the way that he did. And he mentioned an organization called Nature and the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy. And so I started looking into that. And this is an organization that promotes nature and forest therapy walks. It's also known as forest bathing or Shinrin-yoku. And so I was trained as a nature and forest therapy guide and started thinking about, you know, how could I use this in what I do as I interact with, with people, both in the church and also people outside of you know, organized religion, you know, it's just, I feel like there's so many ways that we can learn from one another, both inside and outside of that organization. And so started thinking about what would it look like to create my own organization that would specifically seek to make that connection for people in a variety of different ways through, of course, these forest therapy walks, but also incorporating that learning into backpack trips and also retreat settings and so kind of took a leap in 2018 and and started a deep green journey and have been kind of slowly building that ever since. What is the most beautiful thing in nature to you? What is it that that really inspires you, moves you, lifts you, makes you oh want to goodness. be in nature? Do we have a couple hours? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, of course there are just nature in itself, there are some beautiful places and scenes, both in the awe-inspiring and also in the 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 small details. But I would say as far as what's beautiful in nature, to me, it, it's more of a felt sense of seeing the interconnectedness that is, it is so evident when we're able to witness how how nature is able to kind of support itself and continue to continue to regenerate and and be a part of this cycle of life really support itself and us in this cycle and you see that in the seasons in the beauty of of the different seasons i i don't know it would be difficult for me to live someplace without four distinct seasons and you mm -hmm. see that the beauty of one season giving itself over to the other and how that continues to sustain what we what we see and what we we come to call beautiful nature you know from season to season but also the interconnectedness that happens between species and that web of life you know for me that's that's what i feel like is the the most beautiful um piece of the beauty, you know, the beauty of nature and then feeling that interconnectedness that I have with the surroundings, with the natural world. That's just, just really Take what us I back see. For a minute. Take us back for a minute to maybe your, even your childhood. Is this something that you've always had a passion around? Is there a specific moment that you can remember when you knew that this was something that you wanted to pursue? I... It, it wasn't something that I thought was available as a child. I never thought about, you know, leading people into nature as a child. But when I was a kid, it was always just, it was so important to me. And I, I didn't realize that actually until my sister, she saved a lot of things. I have an older sister. She lives out in Minnesota. And she recently has sent me letters that I wrote when I was a child to her because she she had moved out there quite early. And the amount of of um, sentences that I used to describe what was going on outside, you know, as a as a small child saying, well, the moon isn't up yet, but I hear the crickets and, you know, and so it must have had an impact on me at a at a small age or at a young age. And I I remember just spending a lot of time in nature, even in the the postage stamp of a you know, the first 10 years, we had just a small side yard. And I just remember spending a lot of time there. I think for me, when it really expanded is when we lived in State College. And that was the first time that I really had kind of immediate access to mountains that were just outside of the, the city. And going with my, my dad, hiking, uh, and him kind of introducing all of the different trails up there. And then 
you know, getting a little bit older and being able to go on my own and imagining, I wonder what it would be like to to spend the night in the woods, you know, and and just being able to see those mountains from my bedroom window and and interacting with them was, I think, a pivotal time in my life that there was something, I think those teenage years were a time that, you know, who doesn't have angst when they're a teenager, but I know that nature at that time was a real, it became a source of healing for me as well in, in what can be a really angsty time in life. Do you remember those letters that your sister referenced when you were a child? Did you did you remember writing them? It was was when she talked about them was something you had forgotten about. And yeah. what else was what what all was in those letters that you yeah, that you like to share? I didn't remember writing them, which is why it kind of surprised me when they came back. And I, I actually have one that's that's I cut I cut a piece of it out and I framed it and put it on my wall because it was such a connection to me. And it just says, I am outside and the crickets are singing. The moon isn't out yet. And it, it's, you know, misspelled words and, you know, and it's a kid's <laughs> writing. So I must have been young and I'm thinking, what what kid writes about that? <laughs> you know. So I, it must have been really important to me. And I, I credit my parents for just always getting us into nature and to be able to expose us to that and, and having it be such a natural thing. I don't remember it being an oddity, but but just something that I thought everybody experienced. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Thanks mm -hmm. for sharing that that letter because there's something about being in nature that creates kind of like a childlike wonder inside of us all. Yes. I remember back, I have four kids and I think it was one of our twins who are our youngest. I remember very distinctly holding one of my daughters in my arms. And for the first time, she looked up at the sky and noticed all the stars in the sky. Oh. It was like the most incredible moment of just this, yeah. this awe, this wonder that she had that I, I just will never forget that moment. Oh my gosh. And and then being able to to see to to have nature's wonder revealed through a child's eyes, it almost reintroduces us to the awe of nature when we can be around children that are like, "Oh, look at that. Look at this," you know. Yeah. So, so cool. what what is it about our culture and even our world that kind of strips us from having that childlike wonder? Well, you know, there's so many different things. And I, I I think for all of us, regardless of what our age is, because there's different challenges, I think, today than there were when I was growing up. But I think for all of us universally, we we get older and we we are taught, I think, to value the the immediacy of things were taught to you know the to value the accomplishment of things and i think we begin to turn to our own ego for validation i mean we start to worry about what what are people going to think of me am i doing things correctly am i you know making my grades am i going to you know what who am i going to become and all of those thoughts start to come in you know, in, in different spurts as we're growing up. And so what we lose in that is, I think, that ability just to not care and just to, you know, kind of live in total abandonment of like, I wonder what today is going to be. I wonder what's going to happen to me today. But instead, we start to, to turn to our to-do list because we have things that need need to be done. And and we unfortunately start to devalue that wonderment because we we call it silly or we think, well, gosh, I must have made that up or that feeling that I had, that was just a childhood whim. And we chalk it up to, um, to being childish instead of childlike. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, I think the wonderment of being childlike is something that adults that when they're reintroduced to it, and I think nature is a big conduit to that, rediscover things in themselves that they think, oh my gosh, I didn't have to leave that behind. I, I can recapture that. And then it feeds into the creativity 
and the joy of what we're doing as adults and enlivens it in ways that we never never predicted. You mentioned earlier this concept of forest bathing, and I think it actually ties nicely together because from my understanding of the books I've read about forest bathing, you have to be very intentional about bathing in the forest. I mean, (laughs) that you have to, which creates time and a lot of emptying of yourself, emptying of your, your ego and enter uh, emptying of your thoughts and your worries, your cares, and, and just being fully present, which is what the beauty of childlike wisdom is just that they're fully present and fully engaged. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the irony is when I took this training, there is a very specific that you want to lead people through when you guide them on a forest bathing, forest therapy walk. And the intentionality is so that anyone who comes to this, almost universally, we live at this low frequency of fight or flight or freeze, you know, and we don't even realize that that's a kind of a part of our being until we step aside from everyday life. And so someone comes to a forest bathing walk with this kind of anxiousness, this, this kind of revved up nervousness that they don't even, we don't even recognize is going on in ourselves every day. And so Part of it is a chance to really slow way down, to set aside that that ego that um, that always kind of calls us back to the immediate of what do I need to do today, because ultimately it's about making sure that we're okay, right? So we lay all of that aside and say, you know what, for the next two hours, two and a half hours, I'm going to put that aside and know that I am okay, that I am safe, and I'm going to be open to what what I may experience in this. Uh, I, I remember specifically leading a walk a couple of years ago, and a woman and I I, she was really kind of bubbly, very angry, very kind of just carrying a lot, very bubbly personality, but very much on the move. And I had a hard time leaving her phone behind and kind of reassured her it was going to be you okay. can't imagine that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the, one of the exercise, one of the invitations is, is I say to people, we're going to walk but we're going to walk really slowly. And the only thing that I'm going to ask of you is that you stay behind me. You can wander to the left and right, but stay behind me because I'm going to set the pace. And all I ask them to do is just notice what's in motion. And the reason for that is it when you walk long enough, 15, 20 minutes, it really helps our mirror neurons to match the pace of what's around us and really, really slows us down. Well, I could feel her. If she could have climbed in my backpack, she would have been there. She was, she wanted to, to get ahead of me. She wanted to walk faster. And I could feel that anxiousness behind me. And slowly, slowly, slowly over the course of two and a half hours, I could see her kind of really kind of coming to a point of being able to let it go. And and I often think of her and I often think of that instance because I'll, I'll have folks come and I include myself in this. We come out into nature and we don't realize that level of stress or anxiety that we're bringing with us until we set aside enough time to really allow the openness to happen and really allow ourselves to set aside that that self-centeredness. And I mean that in, in the nicest of terms, we are all centered on self because everything that we do, we kind of think about our to-do lists and how is this going to look? How will I be perceived? And to be able to put that all to the side takes time and it takes intentionality. So, I mean, I'm glad you you used that word because it is a very intentional walk. How do you feel after those experiences when you, you know, are in the forest and you're slowing down, you know, stepping back from the fast-paced life mm-hmm. and activities and all your to-do lists and, and everything like that? <laughs> How do you feel? 
feel afterwards and how long does that last before oh. you have to do it again <laughs> in order to in order to slow down yeah i i find that almost a hundred percent of the time that i go into the woods and it, and it can be just maybe a half an hour walk or or even just sitting under a tree in the backyard i find that my perspective will i won't even say shift i think my perspective broadens so oftentimes i am living with a very narrow perspective very narrow view on whatever is in front of me sometimes harboring feelings that I don't necessarily wish I had or only seeing a you know one solution to a problem or not seeing a solution to a problem or whatever whatever it may whatever the anxiousness is that I'm I'm carrying and I feel like time in nature really helps me to broaden that perspective and not necessarily that I come away with with an answer to all of my problems, but I feel like I'm breathing deeper and that whatever I was pondering, it doesn't have the immediate, um, it, it doesn't present the immediate difficulty that it did. And I, I come away breathing so much easier. And oftentimes I find, oh, well, gosh, we could we could come at something in, from this direction or that direction. And so I find that creativity happens when I'm in nature. I find that oftentimes if I am feeling low, if I'm just feeling, you know, as often many of us have in the last couple of years dealing with things, just feeling overwhelmed. Again, I feel like I come out lighter somehow. And, and Again, it's not necessarily because I found the answer to something, but just because that perspective has broadened and I feel an interconnectedness with with nature, with with the divine. And I just don't feel that aloneness. And I think, oh, it's 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 okay. And there is always a next step through this interconnectedness that we have. So. I would say just a lightness, a clarity, sometimes creativity. Sometimes it's just a matter of getting out. Uh, emotion is sitting on my heart, whether it be grief or anger or anxiety. Time spent in the woods. I've spent a lot of time just crying, you know, in the woods because it just, you know, you feel like uninhibited. And I, this is a place that I can share what's what's heavy in me. I can share that with my surroundings. And it's, it's always so much better when I'm able to do that. Mm. I think we find that whenever we have a, a problem to solve or a dilemma that's weighing on our minds in the, in the work that we do every day, the, the, the best question one of us can ask the other is, do you want to go for a walk? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we will get outside. And sometimes it's even in the city, but we're outside and there's something different even just being out there, whether there are no trees around or, you know, or animals or anything like that. But, but we've had some of our very best conversations and our best solutions and our best insights, our best ways forward when we've been out and often many times in the woods, in a park, in a setting where there are a lot of trees and there are, there are animals and, 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 and there's just beauty and freshness all around. And, it is, it is miraculous how it works. And we find that, hey, if we've got a problem, just let's get out. Let's just walk yeah. and yeah. talk it through and just be, just be surrounded by the beauty yeah. and the wonder Absolutely. of it all. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That, I love that word freshness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a freshness, that fresh breeze almost that kind of flows through our heart and our mind that, that nature provides. There's beautiful. Thank you for listening to the Someone to Tell It To podcast. Wonders Found Thrift Shop is proud to be one of its sponsors. Wonders Found is an all-volunteer-run thrift shop begun to support our mission team as they rebuild homes in disaster areas. We support local missions, people experiencing homelessness, veterans, and children and youth outreaches. 
We also provide clothing and household items to families displaced by fire or flood. You can learn more at our website, wondersfound.org, or stop in to see what wonders you can find at 7810 Allentown Boulevard, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. Beth, from what we understand, and we did a little bit of research on you, you had a serious fall not too long ago that you, I think, have been in the process of recovering from, perhaps still recovering from. What would you kind of want to communicate to people just about, there are a lot of people actually that, especially in recent years, have been harmed by creation, whether it's tornadoes or hurricanes or floods. And, you know, it's been said by a lot of scientists that like all of creation's groaning. You know, you yourself have experienced some pain in creation. Could you just talk a little bit about what that's been like and what you've learned? Yeah, I and I... I... Gosh, you know, just in the last couple of days, we've been hearing about severe tornadoes in this country. And so I in no way feel like I can speak to, you know, people who have lost so much in the process of having to endure, you know, the, some of the, the, the floods and the and the fires and the tornadoes that we have had, the hurricanes. So I will say that, you know, just the increase in in so much of nature's the 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 natural disasters that we've seen i think for my opinion you know just looking at the increase in them i think what we've done to our earth has has increased the the frequency of so much of what we see from my own experience it's it's a little bit different in that i it was i did this to myself kind of thing i was was hiking on the mountain behind our house and 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 it was just icy snowy with an ice layer and was wearing spikes but just misstepped and and ended up sliding quite a ways and ended up doing breaking a lot of things but permanent damage to my to my spine which which <clears throat> a good portion of it had had to be fused so i can't say that i ever looked at nature as causing that you know accident i felt at the time at the time of the accident even before those who came to rescue me could find me i felt held i felt safe and you know felt even nurtured even at that moment of waiting yeah nature can be a dangerous place and those of us any of us who go out into nature you're going to be away from people who can be right there to help you. And so there is a risk involved. And so there is that element of, of danger. But I also feel like with proper precautions, you know, there there are ways that you can mitigate that. And I would never want to see anyone giving up that opportunity to be out in the wild, you know, miles away. There's something that happens in us that I think is part of that risk when you open yourself up to being that vulnerable in nature, I think it can open things in us that I, can, I think it can open avenues in us that wouldn't necessarily be open if we were to stay quote unquote safe all the time, which sometimes it's you're not safe at all, even going, you know, going down the street. But yeah, I don't know if that answers your question well, but it's, you know, my experience, even with what happened to me, I would never say that 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 God caused it or nature caused it, but it has opened up in me a vulnerability to now that I have to take some <clears throat> measurements to to modify, you know, the load that I carry to, you know, backpacking. A lot of things have changed for me in that respect, but it, it has opened me up to think about, you know, what, uh, how can we find a way for somebody else? How can we find a way for anyone who feels limited in any way to get out into nature and not to see that as an obstacle of something that they can't over, oh, I can't hike, I can't backpack because of this or that. Well, let's find a way, you know, let's figure it out and find a way for you to feel that sense of, of awe in nature that also comes with some, some vulnerability as well. 
Yeah, you have so many things you bring up there, but uh, I'm just thinking right now, one of the things that I, I think is so unique about creation is that it literally is for everyone, that everyone has access to it. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter, matter where you're from or how young or old or, you know, if you're a person with disabilities, everybody has the opportunity to experience the beauty and the joy and the satisfaction of nature that nature has to offer us. And um, yes, there are risks involved in, in just about anything that we do in life. But I think the point is that it's more than worth the risk to be present, to be fully engaged with what nature has to offer us. At the same time, I feel like as a result of the accident, a new area, a new direction of the calling for deep green journey, which is to look a bit, a little bit deeper into that accessibility. You know, what equipment can we find that can make it more accessible to people to go deeper and deeper into the woods and not just on a paved path, but let's, let's really open it up and see what the possibilities are because it is something that everyone should be able to, uh, to experience as much as, 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 as much as possible. Yeah. Absolutely. If you could speak with nature, what kind of questions would you ask it, especially in regard to our impact, humanity's impact on it, you know, and how we care for it or don't, how we respect it or don't, and what, uh, what would you like to learn from nature or hear nature say, if nature could speak in, in terms that we would understand, you know, how about what it would say to us mm-hmm. about how to, again, care for it and, and in, enjoy it and learn, learn from it. Yeah. I feel like it, it's a, it's, I feel like we need to hear t- both things from nature. There, there is a resiliency in nature for, for sure. I mean, we see that even with natural disasters, we see, you know, forest fire comes through and we see the benefits of that as, as, as trees begin to generate and, and new life begins. So nature is incredibly resilient to us, (laughs) but also, you know, to, to the, to the natural order of things, but also to what we have done to it. And yet I think, I think we oftentimes assume that nature will be able to take whatever we dish out and that that it's been with us you know the the planet has been around so long that there's nothing that we can do to destroy it and that's simply not true and so i feel like nature would be if nature you know could write a paragraph and you know and verbally communicate i, I think nature does communicate but to really clearly lay it out i think nature would show us the many, many places where that biodiversity has been threatened or cut off and where we have seen the natural chain of um, mutuality of support that happens naturally in nature. Nature would show us the places where that has been cut off and we have lost species we have lost important connecting pieces to that web and and in as a result we've lost that that diversity we've lost areas of habitat that are so necessary and and the more that happens the more we will see its eventual impact on on humanity you know on human beings I mean, we're seeing that now, but I don't think it, it, it feels like it's still not, we still value, you know, what we can get, what we can extract from nature, as opposed to what we can learn from nature. So, you know, that's what I, I feel like that's probably the number one thing that nature would be, would be crying out and is crying out for us today. I feel like I have learned about that interconnectedness for myself the resiliency and also that that sense of mutuality of being able to not just leave no trace ethics but what does it mean to to be a, a tender of nature to to be a protector to be in partnership with nature 
that that human human beings and nature can can work together to find a better planet that would really it's going to enrich us all in the end. So that's that's what I feel like if we just watch how nature can you know works within itself and with us we can learn how to work with nature but also how to live together as human beings that not one thing one idea is more important than another but to be able to see how all of our ideas can come together and how we can sometimes not find you know a right way a wrong you know we always we are always looking at one side or the other whereas if we come together maybe we can find that third way and i think nature is so good at teaching us that we're not sure if we communicated this or not, but we're actually going live today on, on Earth Day with today's episode. Yeah, Beth, as you kind of reflect on your journey with nature, what what has nature taught you about listening? I think the, the number one thing that nature has taught me is to slow down. I notice that when I go when I go into nature by myself or with a group and we just sit for 20 minutes or whatever, I, I the longer I sit, the more I notice. And the more I notice with my eyes, you know, I'll look and say, well, I didn't realize that was there. I was, it was sitting right there the whole time, that bug or that rock or whatever. I notice more with my ears as I, as I hear different sounds are revealed in, in different layers. I notice things within me i notice how i feel in my body maybe a heaviness or a lightness or just you know noticing is what comes to mind first and i think what nature has to teach us about listening is revealed in all of our senses as then we walk into the world and notice more than we ever have before in in other people, in situations, problem solving. I think nature can teach us how to how to be open. And listening is such a key component to that because we we tend to want to control with our words, right? You know, I think we use it, we use words as a weapon. We also use words as a way to control a situation. So that, you know, the other person doesn't get the upper, you know, so that our ideas and our ego gets out there. And nature teaches us to put all of that in the back seat and just to be open and aware of what's around us. And maybe that whatever that next thing is that we need to hear or witness will come to us in a way that we didn't expect. And hopefully then we can take that into the world and have it translate and, you know, walk through our days with more of an openness than we ever have. Yeah. We've heard it said that if you listen carefully, the silence is beautiful. Yes, it is. It is. What is it that, what is it that you learn from the silence? Yeah. I, even when you said silence, I'm like, Oh, I just love, and I never, I never thought I, you know, I, I, I was a preacher. I, you know, I, I spoke for, for a, a big part of my <laughs> journey and I've started, I've started attending Quaker meetings recently, I think. And I just really, I just really have become a big fan of, of silence because there's so much noise in the world and silence can be so frightening, I think for for all of us, because when we're silent, we're open, we're opening ourselves up to, to what needs to be revealed within us that we're avoiding. And so nature gives us this gift that we don't necessarily want to accept of, of just silence and, and helping us be more aware of ourselves. And yet it's, it's almost like nature is a safe silence because we're th- there are sounds around us and there is activity around us and there is this sense of entering into a place where we're surrounded by 
Yes, silence, but also this sense of, you know, I keep going back to this idea of interconnectedness, that we're not alone in that silence. And so it becomes a, a safer place to be silent with ourselves and to really listen to what needs to bubble up within us. So I think even in that way, nature provides that that pathway into silence that's accessible to most of us, even even when silence is, is scary, you know? For those who are maybe on a walk or a hike today on Earth Day, Beth, what questions would you encourage others to reflect upon when they are in nature? Oh, my favorite. <laughs> That's a great question. My favorite question to ask is what are you noticing? And again, that because I think that gets us outside of our egos. What are you noticing? And it, it, it op- that opens up all of our senses, first of all. What are you, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? What sensations, what are you feeling on your skin? What are you feeling in your body? How does it feel to come in contact with the earth? How does it feel to have that support under your feet? And if you could think about what's underneath the soil, think about the interconnectedness and that rootedness that you may feel, you know, so a lot of it is, is what are you noticing as you journey into the, into the wild, into the woods? What are you noticing is going on around you, but also what are you noticing is, is happening within you as well? You know, paying attention to that too. You know, how, how does your body feel right now? You know, what are you noticing about, about yourself and how you're interacting, you know, with, with nature? So that, I, I feel like that would be, you know, primary in that, in, in just really paying attention, you know, that, that, that idea of what is, what are you noticing? But also, I mean, I, I guess I would encourage people to also take a little bit of a risk, even if it's just you doing this within your own mind. Uh, but maybe as you're slowing down and walking into nature, asking yourself, what what do I feel like this being is saying to me, this this tree, this plant, this stream might what might it want to share with me today? What what do I what can I learn from what's going on around me? What can I learn from the experience of this being? I did a I did a, a couple of walks recently where I invited people to seek out trees that had some sort of a wound, you know, on them. And what, what does that wound, what is that woundedness? How does that speak to you? What do you think happened to the tree? How did it respond? And what that, what might that say to me in my dealing with my own scars and my own woundedness? So I guess to, you know, what might I want to say to these beings? What, what, what might I want to say to these creatures that are around me or even you know, depending on who the person is, maybe they might get a sense that there's a, a a presence, you know, a oneness. Maybe call call it God or the divine presence or love, but there might may feel that sense of presence all around them. And so maybe it's an opportunity to speak to that as well. This is like so mesmerizing it and is. calming. Yeah, and- I know. We're just <laughs> very calm right now, just having this conversation. Oh, you're taking us on a walk through That's the right. woods together. That's right. I know our, our time's probably winding down here, but one of the, the fun things that we love to do is just to have a vulnerable dialogue as we're doing today. And sometimes just to ask profound questions that all of us perhaps could answer. We just had a recent episode where we we did the same exercise towards the end of the episode. And it was it seemed to be very well received because the episode was around music. And we both... Mm. Michael and I, along with our guests, had the chance to to reflect on what was the most profound musical experience that we've ever had. And so we were able to respond. But maybe today we could end our time together by asking, answering this question. What's the most beautiful thing that you've ever seen? And what's your most special moment in nature? Well, because we put 
you on the hot seat. We'll answer first. We had time <laughs> to reflect on this. Uh, sure. I think back to when I was in college, I would go on a lot of backpacking trips and, and I, I was in a group of, of friends who just loved the outdoors. We'd go on like fishing Fridays where we travel around the state of Pennsylvania. And then we, we'd go on, you know, backpacking trips through North Carolina, the Shenandoah mountains and things like that. One time we went on a weekend trip, actually over Easter weekend, we went down the Delaware water gap on a canoe trip and uh, it rained for two and a half days straight. (laughs) Buckets and buckets of rain. Our stuff was soaked. It was not a fun experience those first two and a half days. And we just pressed on. We all, everything was soaked. The last night, I remember very distinctly, we found this campsite and it was nice flat ground and it was overlooking the Delaware water water gap. We were down at the very base and the sun finally started to break through the clouds and it was like the most beautiful moment. I'll have to share this 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 episode with these this group of friends because they'll all remember mm-hmm. it. It, it all of creation came to life because everything had been in hiding for two and a half days so i remember it within a span of maybe 15 minutes I'll, I'll never forget i think a deer walked across the creek a beaver floated by <laughs> geese flew overhead i mean it was crazy i think a bald eagle i mean there was just so many things i can't even remember them all but it was just like this pivotal moment. And it Mm -hmm. was also, I think, just apropos because it was after two and a half days of just, in some ways, misery. We we didn't enjoy Mm -hmm. those first two and a half days, but, you know, I think the sun always rises and it's just a good, it's a good memory for me. Oh, that's great. The rain Mm -hmm. put things in perspective too, I'll bet. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. Several times a year when I was a child, on Sunday afternoons, our family, you know, we were a family of four children, my two parents, we would go for walks in the woods that was behind our house. And just, just us in, that, in the quietness of the forest and the trees and the meadows. And I loved those. And I think back, I love those mm-hmm. moments. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was because it was, you know, just, you know, our nuclear family growing up and spending time in, in, you know, what, in what was beautiful and it often would, you know, especially the spring when things were coming to life again or in the fall when the leaves were, were, were turning and, and very beautiful. Those were just peaceful and serene moments in my life. And I also remember uh, as a child, my, my, my grandparents had a, you know, a, a cabin in the Northern woods of Pennsylvania, almost on the New York border. And whenever we would go there to visit, we would take walks through the mountains and, and, and over streams and woods. And it was just, again, same, just very safe, very calm, quiet. And I just loved, those are just wonderful memories of childhood. And then I would get you know, back to something I, I, I shared just a little bit ago that, that, that Tom and I have spent a lot of time outside over the last 11 years together, a lot of time walking. Someone to tell it to was born in a park uh, <laughs> while we were walking. And we, this is when, how we decided to do this together out in nature. And I can think of countless, countless times when we have hiked, walked, discerned, thought, reflected, complained, you know, just, (laughs) you know, getting stuff out. Express joy. Express joy, gratitude. I mean, all the gamut of emotions that we've been able to experience and how that was, that is also safe. And and to be surrounded and enveloped by, by all the beauty that exists. I just, those things... Uh, really fill my fill me with gratitude, fill me with joy and and wonderful memories. That's great. That's beautiful. Uh-huh. Yeah, I a couple of a couple of moments spring to mind, but I have to say one that was that was really pivotal for me. That that was one of the first times that really opened up the the depth of 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 interacting with nature and what it could be. For me, I, I remember I was still in college and I was serving as a, a chaplain at a nearby state park, World's End State Park. 
And again, the moon must mean something to me, but I, the moon was set to rise that night, but because of where we were, you didn't see it until much later. Cause it had to, we had to wait until it got up above the, the mountains, but I wanted to get a picture of the moon on the Loyal Sock Creek. I thought how cool that would be. And so it was about two o'clock in the morning and I was out on the, the banks of the Loyal Sock and kind of picked my way through and the, the moon was so bright and picked my way out to the middle of the creek on a rock and, and took some pictures of the moon on the, the creek. And it was almost like milk, you know, flowing around me. And and right where I was, the the sound of the, the creek going over the rocks was so beautiful. And I thought to myself, you know, as a 20 something would, gosh, you know, this would be a great place to hear God speak to me. <laughs> and I thought, or, you know, the divine presence come to life or something. And, and I, I just felt myself listening to the, the, the water more intently. And as I listened, it sounded more and more like laughter. And you know how that, you know, you ever have that experience when you're with someone and they're laughing at something, you have no idea what they're laughing at, but you can't help but start laughing yourself and just hysterically because, you know, well, that's what happened to me. So at two o'clock in the morning, this crazy woman is out in the middle of the Loyal Sock Creek <laughs> and I'm just doubled over laughing at just the joy of life and the joy of being there at that place to witness the beauty of that moon on on the creek and and just how ordinary but also how miraculous that moment was and the joy of knowing that that I could return there and to have you know that just keep keep going back into nature and being open to the possibilities uh, of awe and it will be there so that that's what comes to mind for me this has been delightful yeah the time is going by too quickly. We could talk hours about this and mm-hmm. yeah. feel as if we've just forest bathed, I yes. think, you know, <laughs> you know, That's even so without glad. just, just in our imaginations, because it, you, you've, this conversation has been calming and just, yeah, just relieving of stress and, and worries and cares for, for even this little, little bit of time. So thank you for that. It's we been so enjoyable. It's been so enjoyable for me. So much. Yeah. Really do. Yeah. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Well, we hope you enjoyed today's conversation as much as we did. We just encourage you to get outside and get connected today. We have a, an event going live today called Walk, Talk, and Listen on Earth Day today or any time near there. And so this is an opportunity to walk wherever you are with your family, friends, or a group, or anyone connected with you. There are questions we've created to facilitate conversation with one another. All we ask is that you take photos of yourself out walking and post it to our website and on our social media if you have that. So go to our website, someone2tellitto.org, to learn more. Thank you for joining with us today. And we we really do hope that you'll be able to get outside and enjoy this day and and all the beauty that it brings. This is particularly, at least where we live in Pennsylvania, one of the most, absolutely, probably the most beautiful time of the year, the most colorful in, in a lot of ways as new life bursts forth. And we hope that this conversation was one in which just brings some new life and revitalization, renewal and peace to you. And as you consider the joys, the benefits, and the splendor of what nature can bring to us. So again, thank you for being with us until we listen again.